Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy, the podcast that empowers you to transform life's challenges into opportunities for personal growth and healthier relationships. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. As experienced therapists with backgrounds in addressing trauma and mental health disorders, we believe there is hope and there certainly is healing. We've spent our lives supporting people through the ups and downs, and we want to share these insights with you. Together, we'll unravel the layers of personal growth healing from trauma, and building healthy relationships. Each week, we'll bring you engaging conversations, expert insights, and practical strategies to help you heal from the past, foster healthy communication, and develop enduring love. This podcast is your guide to transforming adversity into triumph, healing wounds and past trauma, gaining wisdom and insight, and creating meaningful, fulfilling connections. So if you're here to heal, to better understand yourself or your relationships, you're in the right place. So sit back, get comfortable, bring your trauma and your drama, and let's start healing. Welcome Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. Hey everyone, welcome back to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy podcast. We're so glad that you're here with us today. If you've been following along over the last month, we have been celebrating our one-year anniversary, and we've been doing a couple of giveaways for the last three weeks. So thank you so much for each one of you who have shared the podcast and entered the giveaway and for every single one of you who have listened. The goal we were trying to hit was 50,000 downloads by our one year anniversary. And we didn't quite make it, but we came so close and we'll definitely be hitting it over the next couple of weeks. So thank you guys so much for helping us push forward and try to increase the reach of our podcast. We really appreciate all the effort that you guys put into it. And for the people who won the drawing, congratulations. So the topic we're going to talk about today is one tip that could drastically change the way your kids respond and listen to you. So before we tell you what that one tool is, it really is important that you know and that you understand that your children listening when they're out in public and they're in the midst of the crisis really starts when you're at home and it's just kind of the day-to-day living. Because when we try to instill new techniques and new tools, in the midst of heightened emotion, it doesn't work the way we want it to work. So a lot of the setup for this really is preemptive. And the very first thing is to make sure that you have a good relationship with your child, right? That they know that you are a safe place to come to and that you're spending time with them on a daily basis, not just doing things around the house, but you're sitting down, you're looking them in the eyes, and you really are connecting with them. And so the one tip now that you've been waiting with bated breath wondering what it is, is to have your kids say, yes, mom, or yes, dad, after you give them an instruction. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next (laughs) week. Just kidding. We have a lot more for you than just that. So this idea, this concept may sound overly simplistic, but it really is a very helpful thing. When you have your children repeat back to yes, mom, or yes, dad, they are acknowledging and agreeing to the terms that you have just set out. If they don't respond, or they don't give you an acknowledgement, A lot of times what that means is that they're really considering whether they're going to do that or not. Now, don't get me wrong, you can have a child who can say, yes, mom, or yes, dad, and then still not follow your instructions, but you dramatically increase the probability that they're going to listen and follow through with what you just asked them to do. Now, there are a little bit of clues and cues that you need to watch out for. One of the things that we always watch out for with our kids is how do they say yes, mom, or yes, dad? If it's like, yes, mom, or fine, dad right? That's not acceptable. It's got to be, 
yes, mom, or yes, dad, with that type of tone and cadence. And when we hear that, we know they have fully accepted what we have asked them to do. If they give you a more somber tone when they're responding to you, they're basically going through the motions, but they're revealing their disagreement. And you need to work through that disagreement with them. And sometimes working through that disagreement can be something just as simple as repeating yes, mom, or yes, dad in the proper tone. And then when they say that, you oftentimes can see that their attitude will lighten and you can even see more of a positive difference in their face when they say it with a more positive cadence versus the more mopey cadence. Yeah, and I think this is such an easy parenting tool that a lot of times it just goes under the radar. It's easy to do it consistently for a long time and you see the benefits of it and then you kind of let it go by the wayside. But there is something magical about them saying yes, mom, or yes, dad. And I know that in our kids, it has drastically changed the way that they respond to us and the communication that we have when they can agree to something. People have a natural inclination, especially kids, to want to do what's right or want to please their parents. And not that we want them to do what's right just to please us, right? We want them to know right from wrong and to make those decisions along the way. But when they're young, you need to train them. You need to teach them and guide them and help them to make good choices. And so it really does help if whatever instruction, no matter how small, have them respond with, yes, mom, yes, dad. And I know it can seem robotic or stringent to have them say that every single time, but I want you to try this at least for a month on everything. Like just be consistent with it and see the changes in your child. And this is just for any direction, right? If I say, hey, Rebecca, go fill up your water bottle. Hey, Rebecca, go upstairs and get a dress. And I'll have her say, yes, mom. And initially, you're going to have to have them repeat after you. And you're going to have to say, say, yes, mom, say, yes, dad, for a while until it becomes a habit for them. But I think there's a couple of things that are really good here. It's them responding and acknowledging that they hear you. And then it's them agreeing to the terms. And so if they respond with, yes, mom, or yes, dad, and then they go and they do something else, you know that they heard what you said and they chose to do something else and they chose to disobey. But at least at that point, you know it's not because they just didn't hear you. And so earlier I talked about how it's important to set this up ahead of time because when you are in the middle of a store or maybe you're in the parking lot and they're about to run to your car crossing through the parking lot, you want them to be able to immediately obey because at that point, it's a safety issue. But where that starts isn't in the parking lot. It really is at home with having them respond and having them say, yes, mom or yes, dad. And I think, too, it doesn't just have to be this idea about making sure that they follow instructions in a life-threatening situation. But also, if your kids are not listening and they're not obeying very well, it's going to be frustrating for you. And then that's going to negatively impact your interactions with them. And so it's going to be harder for you to have these positive, healthy interactions with your kids if you can't get them to listen and then you're frustrated with them all the time. Oh, for sure. It's not just for those safety issues, but I think it drastically improves the atmosphere of the home because they are more willing to obey. And when they obey, it's not that we just want them to listen and do what we say all the time because that's what they're supposed to do. That's not it at all. It does make for a more agreeable home. And going along with this, I would say in a way that you want them to respond, 
begin to make that a habit in your own home where you create this atmosphere and they say, hey, mom, instead of saying what, being able to say, yes, honey, or yes, Caleb, that already changes the dynamic and it creates a safer and friendlier atmosphere because it's easy for us, especially with the people we're so familiar with and that we're around all the time and the people we love, it's easy for us to get lazy and just answer with a what. And I think this is an important subject to understand, not just with kids, but with our relationship or with our friends or family, is that we are setting an example for how we want to be treated and the interactions you choose to engage other people on and the way you choose to interact with other people encourages that similar interaction back towards you. So if you're engaging people in more of a negative way, you're more likely to get more of a negative response. But if you engage them in more of a positive way, you're more likely to get a more positive response. So if you want your kids to say yes, mom, or yes, dad, when they are trying to get your attention or asking you to do something, you say yes, Caleb, or your child's name, and then that helps them to understand, okay, this is how you interact when somebody's talking to you or when somebody's asking you to do something. You give them this acknowledgement that, yes, I am going to do this. One of the frustrations we run into all the time are parents who have to repeat themselves again and again and again, or when you don't know if your child heard you and they walk away or they're not acknowledging you. So them saying, yes, mom, will help with all of that. And it really does help to foster this first-time obedience atmosphere in your home. And this really is the starting place for that. But I think the core really is that it changes their willingness to obey. And like Tim said, you can just see a change in them. And sometimes we do correct how they say it, right? If they're like, yes, mom, then immediately we'll address that and we'll have them say it again. And if you can do this consistently and just make this part of your parenting and your relationship with your child, and like we said before, you making sure that you're respecting them, it really will make such a big difference. And I think a couple of additional things that you can do to make sure that this technique works well is if you get on their level and make eye contact with them. Now, this obviously isn't something you can do all the time. You might be in the kitchen in the middle of cooking and you got to pay attention to what you're doing and you ask them, hey, go do this. Just yes, mom. Yes, dad. And so it's not something you have to do all the time. But in opportunities when you do have the ability to do that, I think it is very helpful to get on their level, get eye contact with them, because then also you get more of cues of what's going on in their face, in their voice. So you can understand, are they just saying this out of obligation or have they truly accepted what you've asked them to do? And they give you a positive, yes, mom. Another thing is to use simple and clear language when you're giving your requests. So keep your instructions short, precise, and age appropriate. So you're going to try to not say, hey, I want you to go to the garage and then do this. And then I want you to go down to the basement and do this. And then don't forget to go and grab this. You want to just make it short and sweet. And I think even as an adult, I struggle with that. If, Ruth, you give me too many instructions, it's hard for me to keep them all in line. Or if the explanation of what you want me to do is too long, then a lot of times I'll get lost in it and I won't catch everything. But for the kids, very specifically, like, hey, go upstairs, put your dress on, come downstairs, get your shoes. Right. And so so it's very clear, even almost like caveman speak, where you're removing words to be as brief as you possibly can, because then they'll remember those specific key words. But if your sentences are too long or you're giving them paragraphs on what you want them to do, you're decreasing the level of compliance by each word you use. And to go along with that simple, clear language, you want to make sure that you're using positive phrasing. 
So you're going to tell them and instruct them on what you want, not what you don't want. So instead of saying, don't run, you're going to tell them, say, please walk. Because if you say, don't run, okay, then I will skip through the store, or I'm going to hop, or maybe I'll crawl, right? They may do everything else than what you want. And so it just really makes it a lot clearer what you're looking for. And it sets them up for success in being able to be obedient because they know exactly what you want. And if you stop and you think about it for a second, it makes a lot of sense why you want to tell them what you want them to do, not what you don't want them to do. Because when you tell them what you don't want them to do, they have to reverse engineer what you do want them to do, which takes a lot more mental effort. And so then what that means is that it's going to take them longer to comply. And the longer it takes them to comply, again, the more emotional impact that's going to have on you, the more likely you are to get frustrated or irritated with them. Versus if you take a second and understand, okay, what is it the thing that I want them to do? Okay, now I'm going to rephrase that sentence. Hey, can you do this? Right? You're going to get better and more quickly responses when you do that. I think another important thing to understand is proximity is important. Now, not all the time does this make a big difference, but because sometimes you can definitely be on the other side of the house and yell across the house to get them to do something, and then they will listen. But just the other day, I was standing up on the deck and the kids were down on the trampoline. I asked one of my kids to do something. They were kind of in a bad mood and I wanted to either have them snap out of it or come talk to me about it. They didn't choose either option. They weren't listening. So I just started to walk down the deck towards the trampoline. Well, as soon as I started to walk down the deck towards the trampoline, the child I was addressing immediately kind of chose one of the options that I had suggested to them. Now, it's not that they were in danger of anything bad happening to them. I was just going to be there, but they recognize, okay, when he's far away up on the deck, I can kind of ignore what he's asking me to do. But as I came closer, uh oh, okay, now I have to make a decision. And they chose. And then that was the end of it. So when you find your child is not listening to you, if you're kind of far away, using proximity or getting closer a lot of times increases that compliance as well. Part of the consistency is knowing that it is hard in the beginning and it takes work for you. But the payoff is so great in the end. And it's worth that work that you put into it. So when I say it takes work for you, I mean, it requires you, just like Tim's saying, to get up off the couch and walk over to them. Because it's easy. Maybe you're sitting on the couch and you ask them to pick something up. Or maybe you're cooking and they're having a hard time and you want to go respond to them. It's easy to just ignore it. But the things left unattended will pop up later. And the things that are maybe cute at age two or three is not going to be as cute when they're 12 or 13. And it's going to probably be unacceptable at that age to you. It's not going to be fair for your child if at two or three, you're laughing and you're showing your friends videos of it. And they continue that same pattern all the way up to they're 12 or 13. And all of a sudden, you're like, don't talk to me that way. And there's no consistency there. So it does take work to get up and be consistent and get down on their level and talk to them. Yeah, and totally. Sometimes there's going to be saying or doing something that you will find just genuinely funny, but might be an inappropriate behavior for whatever reason. And Ruth, I've definitely seen this happen before where you're standing behind the child, I'm addressing them, and you're just like putting your hand over your mouth because you're just like laughing because of what's happening so silly or ridiculous. But you're trying to not reinforce that this is a good or okay behavior by that laughter. But again, understanding that, yeah, when this behavior happens at 13, this is going to be maybe kind of scary to be seeing. I want to address it now because when they're younger, they're more malleable. As they get older, they get more and more structured in their own kind of thought processes and how they engage with the world. 
and then just shifting things becomes very difficult. It's actually funny. I used to always talk to kids in middle school and the kids in middle school understood that their grades didn't transfer over to high school. And so when the kids weren't doing so good, they would tell me things like this. Well, in high school, that's when I'll start trying. That's when I'll really start to work. And I will tell you, any one of the kids who had that mentality and didn't change their grades in middle school all really struggled in high school. They couldn't just flip a switch and start being different automatically. And same thing with child behaviors. Now, don't get me wrong. There is a certain bar of level you can expect your three or four-year-old to achieve that is reasonable and areas where it's like, hey, we're going to practice this. I'm going to keep training this. But the probability they're going to be able to pick this up and follow through with this now is pretty low. But the act of continuing to train and practice in that means that they're more likely to get it earlier. Once you get that behavior or that understanding kind of slotted in, you won't really have to worry about it later. But if you kind of keep kicking that can down the road, if you kick it down too long enough, now all of a sudden you're going to have to try to help them unlearn a behavior and then relearn a new behavior, which is a very difficult process. So it is very important that you start this yes mom response at a young age. And sometimes you can do this even before they can talk, right? As you're talking to your baby or your young toddler, you can nod your head and you say yes mom. Maybe they can't respond, but just start that consistency young. So that like Tim said, you're training them along the way. Because I think as parents, we get so frustrated and we're like, how many times do I have to tell you this? Well, the truth is you have to tell them a lot of times because that's what training is. You're teaching, you're training. People who are in sports, they don't just practice once and then they're done. Their coach is there telling them what to do. Hey, work on this now, work on this. And as parents, it's easy to get so frustrated with them thinking, oh, they should know this already. I've already told them this. But it is that balance between requiring obedience and knowing it's a process of training. So I would say that is one of the biggest tips in really implementing this, as well as other parenting tools, is consistency. Just be consistent. And it's tiring and it takes effort, but it is so worth it. Now, the last tip we're going to give you guys about implementing this tool is to stay calm. Now, this isn't always an easy thing. And this is a little bit of us also preaching to the choir for ourselves sometimes. But when you're interacting with your kids, if you lose your emotional composure, you are almost certainly going to get your child to lose their emotional composure as well. And when that happens, it makes it much harder for either side to progress towards an end goal. Now, all of a sudden, we are just expressing our emotions. We're upset. And now whatever the problem was is not actually the main focus. Now, the main focus is how we're feeling. And those feelings are going to inhibit us from engaging each other in a positive, healthy way. And then it can make us become more irrational and then dig our heels in in situations that we don't need to. And so the more you're able to stay calm and collected, the easier it is for your child. Also, this is modeling for them to stay calm and collected along with you. When we're talking to each other, we might disagree. We might be at a difficult moment. But if I can stay calm, I'm showing them that you can stay calm. And that's a very good skill to be able to have is learning how to manage your emotions. You're feeling those emotions, but you're not letting those emotions dictate your behavior. So for a recap for today, if you want your kids to listen better, have them reply to your request with a yes mom or yes dad with a positive attitude, and you'll see that your kids will be much more likely to comply with what you're asking them to do. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. And remember, your mind is a powerful thing. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. 
We hope that you enjoyed today's episode and found it helpful. If so, would you take 30 seconds and share it with a friend? Also, we'd love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcast. It lights us up to know that this podcast is helping you. If you have any questions or a topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group. Just click the link in the description below. Although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. If you are struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or feeling hopeless or suicidal, you are not alone. Help is available. Please seek professional help or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988. Thank you again for joining us on Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. Remember, there's always hope and there's always help.